Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it's going to get emotional. Tears will be shed. I know it. <laughs> I know it. Uh, you know, for, for those of you who didn't hear the prior conversation, which that's everybody, uh, you went to get a Kleenex, and I predicted that that's probably going to be necessary because, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about is some, some heavy stuff. Yeah, and heaviest of all is uh, it's the end of the Max Brown era at USC. <sighs> yeah, it was an era that was pretty short. Which you predicted. You said the schedule is going to be a slog for them at the start. And, yeah. and fair or unfair, he was going to be the sacrifice, and they lose to Alabama. Yeah. They get their, yeah. they get their cupcake win. They lose last week. Yeah. To Stanford. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it did play out almost exactly as I thought it might. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, you, you could just see some, some similar sort of patterns that happen, um, which is, you know, long quarterback competition that stretches all the way till week one. You pick the veteran probably simply because he's the veteran. And if things get off to a bumpy start, well, the young quarterback always represents newfound hope. And, you know, I mean, look, Brown hasn't been great. It's, it's hard. I mean, he wouldn't be benched if he'd been great. But certainly I don't think, you know, he's the chief culprit for why they're one and two and why they've scored one touchdown against, you know, Alabama and Stanford combined. Well, and it's not like Clay Helton's doing Darnold any favors by having him make his first start against Utah, who's just another good defense. Right, right. And on the road, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and look, I mean, maybe Darnold's going to light the world on fire. Maybe he's going to play well. Uh, maybe even if he doesn't play well this year, the experience that he gets this year will help him going forward. Uh, to me, it just it just feels like they – they, they did wrong to Max Brown. I hate to say that. And look, it, it's not a loyalty business. It's about winning. But this is a kid who, who waited his turn for, for three years, could have gone elsewhere this year and played right away. And now you've waited into the season, and he can't go anywhere else and play right away. Um, now he's got one more year of eligibility next year. But if you'd gone with Darnold to, you know, to start the year, he could have gone and had two years to play somewhere, similar to what – for example, Jake Coker did going to Alabama. And that gives you an opportunity that, you know, is not as easy to do in one year. Certainly not. And, and it's not like he would be bereft of suitors. I mean, this is a kid who was a top prospect who sat behind other top prospects and yeah. battled Darnold, who's a top prospect. Right, you right, know, yeah. I, I mean, he was, he was the number one high school quarterback in the country. Now, that, that doesn't mean he's going to be good at the next level. But certainly there would have been, you know, people coming knocking on his door. And one of them might have been his former head coach, the one who recruited him to USC, which is, you know, Lane Kiffin. They needed a quarterback. And if he was out there in August, maybe he gets a chance to go to Alabama and maybe he's playing. That's, you know, there's a whole lot of ifs in that equation. But, you know, he could have had that opportunity. And now that opportunity is is too late. Well, another team that might have been looking for somebody was – the ASU opponent this week, Cal, who brought in a grad transfer with Davis Webb. And I know it's in conference, and that makes things a little more complicated on whether you'll get the release and that sort of thing. But, you know, they needed a quarterback. He's a passer. This is an air raid team, obviously. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I mean, and and, and I hope for the kid's sake he has an opportunity to play somewhere else next year. I mean, 
what was uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I, I watched. You know, he he was available to the media yesterday, which I was a little surprised at, honestly, and that USC would make him available. And he, uh, without saying it in so many words, basically conceded that hey, that the job's gone. Um, he's not going to get a chance to get it back unless injury brings it back, and that he's already looking at you know what he can do in the future. Which I hey, I, I understand he should be, and hopefully there's an opportunity out there for him to play and, you know, uh, get, at least get a chance to have a good solid year, uh, you know, reminds me of, of kind of what, like what Jeff Driscoll did going to Louisiana Tech. It wasn't the career he was supposed to have, but he went and had one pretty good year and he got drafted and he got himself an opportunity somewhere at least. Yeah, and you definitely could see Brown at least getting to that level, if not higher. Yeah. Know, and, and to be honest, his answers to the media – were about as good as you could expect of a kid who waited yeah. his turn and then had the job taken from him through really no fault of his own. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it was it was a pretty, you know, mature but honest sort of approach. It, it wasn't a rah-rah, hey, I can win this job back. It was, it was uh, you know, accepting that, look, I, you know, I'm the backup. I'm going to be ready in case the opportunity comes. He was, you know, he made sure to say that. And, you know, I think you had to respect the way he handled it. And again, look, it's it's um, we've seen this at ASU, and I've, I've argued against, you know, always being loyal to the veteran. So I don't want to say it's only that. I just think he deserved more of a chance, and I feel like he was the sacrificial lamb uh, for their one and two start. And it's easy to kind of say, well, you know, turn the page. Now we're going to put in the freshman, and everything's going to be perfect. And we'll see. I just think they got bigger problems than who's playing quarterback. Well, and for Clay Helton, you know, there's nobody more popular on a on a college campus than the backup quarterback when yeah. your team's struggling. And you know, this is kind of like that, you know, old the uh, a modified version of the old adage. You know, when something goes wrong, you can blame your predecessor the first time. The second time, it's on you. Well, in college yeah. football, when something goes wrong, you can change quarterbacks the first time. But after that, you're, you're yeah. kind of stuck now. This is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this guy is is now the guy. You know, presumably not just for this year, but years to come. And you know, you've heard good things about him. He's he's looked okay in limited duty. Um, hasn't you know hasn't played a ton. Uh, supposedly a, a more mobile threat than Brown. You know, gives him a little bit more of a running ability to make plays, which they could use because their offense, <clears throat> in spite of having so many guys back, it it's really stagnant. Um, you know, and they've played two really good teams, but boy, you you know. With all the talent they've got, you'd expect more than 16 points in those two games. That is certainly true. Now, I wonder if getting Darnold these reps is going to be beneficial for Helton moving forward or whoever the next hotshot <laughs> assistant coach. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, it seems crazy to, to, to talk about you know them getting a new coach this fast, but with them, you know, you can never say never. Um, you know, I, I was I was talking to somebody today, and they said, you know, Helton could prove to be one of the, you know, one of the worst hires. And I'm thinking, it, it, but it might be the third worst at USC just in the last decade. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, because obviously Sarkeesian was a disaster, and uh, you know, Kiffin did have one really good year when they were on on probation that year. Um, but you know, then he left, uh, you know, under some, you know, a lot of negative clouds. So uh, it's been a circus there, and you know. New AD obviously uh, always brings speculation that they might look to make a change quicker than otherwise. Um, 
So we'll see. I, you know, I wouldn't think he'd be out after this year, but at USC, you never say never based on what we've seen the last six or seven years. Well, and if he is out, it, it just weighs more on when they didn't go with Coach O because that was yeah. the guy who the players loved him and he had a proven track record as a recruiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I made the analogy today and talked about this with somebody else, you know, Helton did a great job last year of coming in and landing the plane amid turbulence, but I'm not sure you want that guy to be your pilot the entire time. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, to make a movie analogy, he's kind of a Ted Stryker. He mm-hmm. took over, and the plane was certain to crash, and he landed it. But if you get on the plane and Ted Stryker's the pilot, you're probably thinking, boy, we might be in trouble. There's nothing like a good airplane analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a whole different deal you know, taking over a disastrous season and kind of riding the ship. And he did a good job of that. But compared, you know, then then having to go from the beginning and build a program, that's a different requirement. I mean, I mean, I guess it makes you, it begs the question, who is the Roger Murdoch of USC? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think they know. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think they would have been wise to go outside the, the immediate family. Um, I don't know who that would have been, but I, I just think uh, a fresh start means a, a real fresh start, and they just continue to kind of cycle through. I mean, Pete Carroll left, and it's, oh, let's go bring back Lane Kiffin. And that ends disastrously, and, well, okay, we'll bring back Steve Sarkeesian. You know, then we'll, then we'll get the Carroll era back. Well, no, that ends disastrously even quicker. And, you know, Helton wasn't under Carroll, but it's, uh, yeah, this guy's been here, done that, and, you know, he's been our interim coach twice, and the players love him, and that's all well and good. He's probably a really nice guy, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's the right fit to be the head coach. If that job was open and all things were equal, do you think Chip Kelly would have taken that job or the Niners job? It's just something to think about. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I guess uh, you wonder in some ways, is Chip Kelly anxious to get back into college like we all think he would be? Um, you know, because if he, if he wanted to get back into college, I feel like he could have just set this year out and not jumped into another NFL job. Um, there were, you know, that maybe some of the top openings weren't there last offseason that were maybe thought they might be. You know, LSU was rumored and, and that didn't happen. And, and, you know, Texas has been rumored. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. But both those are kind of, you know, on the watch list. USC, the same thing. Um, he could have just waited, and he didn't. So maybe he's not itching to get back to the college ranks like we think. Although I think on the flip side, Chip Kelly, from everything that they've talked about, about him personality-wise, seems like a guy who just needs football. He's like the Tom Thibodeau of football well, coaches. Yeah, he just... yeah, you, you might be right on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a very you know, different character seems like based on the things you hear about him and read about him. Um, you know, just a, just kind of a different breed than maybe most coaches. And, um, you know, I don't know, um, that opportunity to go back to college, it, it, it could still be there. It will still be there if he wants it, you know, no matter how good or bad he does with the Niners, um, there'll be opportunities if he wants to go back and, you know, SC would certainly be intriguing, and, and it would be the shot in the arm that they need, um, you know, to, to really, again, go outside the family, different approach, different way of doing things. Uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting if that came to pass. Well, and it'd definitely be winning the signing. 
you know, wins it would. the press conference. It would. It would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and everybody's hot name, of course, this year right now is is you know, Herman at at um, at Houston. I almost said Ohio State. He was Ohio State before, um, but you know, he's he's going to be a a name out there, and you know, I don't know if he would be interested in USC. There might be other openings for him. Some of those I just mentioned, Texas and LSU, and some of the those type of programs could be open in a year or two or whatever. Um, but you know, it's hard to believe we're having this conversation about USC again uh, because we've had it so many times in the last few years. It's like it never goes away. Yeah, it feels to me like. For Herman, the the options are really if Houston steps up and yeah. is playing, you know, Big Twelve football, uh-huh. that's great. He doesn't need to leave, but he feels a little to me like Urban Meyer at Utah, where yeah. he's got this team, and Utah at that time wasn't in the Pac twelve. He's got this right. team that's really good that he's proven can hang with the big boys, and and it, and there's just no hope for him to take them to the next level where they're at now. And, yeah. and if a job comes open like an LSU, like a Texas, like a USC, right. they jump right. on him. And, and yeah. as a guy who learned from Urban Meyer. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he is he is the hot name and he was last year. He could have he could have jumped ship after last year and didn't. And, you know, the way this season has started, you know, with the win over Oklahoma certainly only makes him more attractive. And if he can if he could keep them in the playoff mix or even get in the playoff. Uh, he'll have his pick of pretty much any job he wants, probably. That's for sure. Because there might be some others open too. There, you know, Auburn is possible. Uh, you know, there's there's a fair amount of big name schools that are unhappy with their current direction. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities out there for him, and that team is good. And his recruiting, I mean, to get Ed Oliver to stay. Yeah. In, yeah. You know. He was teammates with Dylan Sterling Cole. They had another right. teammate who went to Florida. You know, he could have left. It wasn't like he was out oh, of high sure. school and no one was looking at. This guy was one of yeah. the top five players in the country, and he decided to stay home and play for the Houston Cougars. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's that, and it's it's being able to quickly coach up a team that, that you know, was was not great when he got there. I mean, they, they weren't – it wasn't like he took over nothing, but – I mean, Greg Ward was playing receiver, and he moves him to quarterback, and he's a star. And, and you know, I mean, it, this is just his second year, so most of those guys aren't even his guys. He's just found a way to be successful with them. Now, the hot coaching candidate of a few years ago was Sonny Dykes, and the Cal Bears yeah. landed yeah. him. And he's done exactly what everyone thought he was going to do. This is an, a team whose offense is scary. They run the, the same air raid that Texas Tech runs, that Washington State runs. Mm-hmm. And this year, the, the Bears are 2-1. and one. Last week, they upset Texas 50-43. to 43. And on the season, they went to, Hawaii, or went to Australia to play Hawaii right. and scored 51 points. Then on the road, in a losing effort at San Diego State, they put up 40 Last week they put up fifty. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of firepower in this offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know it's gonna feel a whole lot like uh, the two weeks before. Um, you know, it's it's gonna probably be a game that requires a lot of the same type of thing to win. Little different in the sense that that their quarterback isn't as much of a running threat as Mahomes, which is really the thing that scared me the most. Was you know not only his throwing for 400 plus yards, but that he could burn you for a hundred yards rushing. 
don't have that quite the same effect. Uh, I mean, I was looking. Webb has two rushing touchdowns, but his longest run this year is five yards. So he's he's not a running threat. Um, you yeah, know, but he's, he's he's a pocket guy. But Davis Webb can beat you with his arm, which oh, ASU, yeah. ASU well knows from the the Holiday Bowl with Texas Tech. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you know when it was him and Jason Morrow, and I think it's burned into my mind watching right. that over and over right. again. Um, but this season, he's already in three games over 1,300 yards with 13 touchdowns to only three picks. And if ASU can force some turnovers and make some things happen, that would be great because we haven't really seen it this year. No, we have not. Yeah, I mean, um, two games without forcing a single turnover and, and you know, had a, a couple of interceptions, one very late in the game against Texas Tech when the game was pretty much already decided. Um, but, yeah, the impact turnovers have not really been there. Really just the, the one against Tech when Hayes returned it to, I think, about the two and we scored right off of that. You know, that's that's been it. Um, other than that, it's it's been, you know, a, a steady diet of, of uh, well, sometimes forcing punts, but too often giving up scoring drives. And um, there's going to be a fair amount of that. I mean, this is another one of those games where you, you don't expect, um, you know, if you, if you go out and score 28 points, it's not going to be nearly enough. You're going to have to score a lot. I didn't think that this offense was capable of it two weeks ago, and that's why I picked against ASU. They proved me wrong. They are capable of it, so they're going to have to do it again. Yeah, well, for me, the offense you know, still is going to center around the three key skill position players. It's the continued emergence of Nikhil Harry, who yeah. is every bit the part of a number one receiver. And you and I talked about this a little bit just to each other last week. There's mm-hmm. something nice about, as a fan, knowing he's going to be here for two more years, and yeah. equally unfortunate for him that he has to play <laughs> two more years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's uh, – I don't know if he would be, a, you know, an NFL prospect after this year, but he's certainly a guy that you project out and you can see, you know, a couple years in college might be enough for him. Um, but that's not the way the system works. He's He's got to be here for three and, um, you know, selfishly as an ASU fan, I think we'll enjoy that. He looks like a number one receiver in college right now, today. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that it's already penciled in for me that he should be a first-team all-freshman Pac-10 and, and, and be pushing for an all-Pac-10, not freshman, just all-Pac-10. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's been everything we hoped. And, you know, we talked about this in the preseason and as the, as the, you know, training camp and stuff rolled along. And, you know, you just you got some vibes that maybe he wasn't. Um, and, and I think maybe it was just maybe it was just spin, you know, just coaches trying to get the message out there that, hey, you're not you're not king of everything just yet. You know, keep you keep you in your place. Um, and maybe there was also a maturation process for him that took place during, you know, preseason practices, because, First couple of weeks, you didn't hear a lot of great things about him. You didn't hear a lot about him at all. When you did, it was sort of, eh, he hasn't really flashed yet. And, yeah, he looks the part, but he hasn't done much. Um, but then as preseason kind of concluded, you know, all of a sudden that changed. And certainly in the first three games, he's been everything we could have hoped right off the bat. And, and it's not just him, the running backs, which I think if tempo is going to be important in this game and mm-hmm. controlling the clock, one of the, your best friend when you play an air raid offense is having your offense on the field. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. through three games this year, Demario Richards got 282 yards rushing. Kalen Balaj has 255. I mean, combined, they're averaging over, you know, 170 yards a game. Yeah, and that's that's exactly, I think, what, what you and I hoped preseason was that, you know, that the offense would really build around those two and, and then funnel out. And you'd be able to protect your younger quarterback and your, you know, kind of questionable receiver core by running the ball. And then and then those guys would be able to have things a little easier for themselves. And it's kind of been that way. Um, you know, certainly the Texas Tech game was exactly that. You know, that, that opened things up for the short passing game, take a couple of shots. Um, you know, I keep saying it. That was That was exactly what you dream this offense can look like, the way it played in that game. And, you know, it didn't look nearly as efficient against San Antonio. But, uh, you know, on the road, kind of expect that a little bit. Uh, now you're back home and you're against a defense that's going to give you a lot of yards and points in the same way that ASU's defense does. So you have to take advantage of it. You know, uh, hopefully you don't have to score 68 points because it's hard to do that twice in a season. But you have to be prepared, I think, to probably score 45, 50 points to win this game. I mean, I certainly think, you know, in their one road game, which they lost, Cal still got to 40. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you get a lead on them, especially, they're going to they're gonna throw it a ton. I mean, you know, I think Webb had 72 pass attempts in the loss. So, so they're, you know, they're not going away. Um, if you're able to get out in front of them, you better, you know, hold on because they'll just keep throwing and, and make it difficult on you. And it's going to be a real big test for the defense it's become clear, and Graham finally acknowledged it, that Laiu Mokiel is just going to stay at spur linebacker, which is where he's yeah. played the last two years. And it's, you know, it's somewhat of a shame because the idea was to keep him away from the line of scrimmage a little bit right. and let him avoid the big hits. But, you know, Tyler Wiley gets a start, and they need to go to Mokiel to calm things down. Marcus Ball yeah. gets a start, and they need to go to Mokiel to calm things down. Yeah. And you and I yeah. talked about this a little bit. You you need to just get Mokiola on the field and ride it out as long as you can. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know it's a good idea in theory, um, but it just feels like this this defense really relies on that spot, and he's solid in that spot. And so sometimes you kind of you know I think you come to the conclusion, and maybe that happened in the second half of the San Antonio game that you know. All our all our bells and whistles and great ideas, they're great, you know, when we're sitting in the meeting room. But when you get out there and play, this guy's good at it. Yes, he's injury prone. And, and you, you know, you just cross your fingers that he can stay healthy as long as possible. But while he's out there, while he can play, you might as well play him there because he gives the defense sort of a, a center that they desperately need. He just seems like a calming influence. I know Doug Haller during his podcast this week was talking about how when the defensive adjustments come in, everybody sort of looks at Mokiola to yeah. make sure they're all on the same page. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, his his role, you know, this goes back to 2014 um, when, you know, if, I, if I'm remembering right, he, the, the finale there against Arizona, we had a chance to win the South and he, he either was hurt right away he, I think he started the game and got hurt uh, mm-hmm. early in the game, you know, or, or he missed the entire game. I can't remember exactly, but I know he missed a chunk of that game. And you could just see without him, 
that just wasn't a good defense, uh, you know, and that, that was a pretty good defense. Uh, I mean, it wasn't dominant, but that was a group that, you know, won us nine games in the regular season. So it, it certainly uh, was, was better than what we've seen the last couple of years. And you saw how important he was then as a sophomore. Um, so you just, you know, I think you just have to realize this is the best place for him. And again, just sort of cross your fingers that he can stay out there for as many games as possible. What's concerning is the fallout for the for the inevitable game he misses because yeah the rest yeah. of the the rest of the linebacking core I it's it's talented it's deep it's been very suspect there's just no way to, other way to put it, it. Has. you know it has. hopefully yeah. hopefully there'll be some settling influences by having Mokiola everyone knowing he's going to be at mm-hmm. Spur and the return of Salamo Fizo question mark yeah I mean apparently Graham says he's back this week so I I guess. Uh, I guess whatever happened with him is over, and that's good. Because um, because you're right, it has been a it's been a shaky group, um, which is kind of a surprise, except for the fact that you know basically we've been without two of the top three guys projected for most of all three games. Uh, Sam got hurt early in the NAU game, hasn't played since. Fiso's been out all three games, and so this group that looked like you had you know those two and Calhoun, that was going to be a solid group it's only been Calhoun and you're playing some other guys there that, you know, they're just not as good, obviously. Well, and I think what's accentuated that is, you know, Mendoza has been, a you know, Patterson called him a security blanket. He's, yeah. he's a great plug and play linebacker because he can play all three positions. And, and I, and I say this with all the respect in the world, because I think he does his job well, but he is your classic college linebacker understudy he can play all the positions he knows where he's sure. supposed to be but he's not the starter he's there's sure. a reason why he's sure. not the guy at any of no, those no exactly yeah i mean more often than not you know it's always it's always fun when the guy who you know wasn't projected to be much and he gets his chance because of an injury or suspension or whatever and he comes in and he plays great it's always a great story but more often than not there's a reason the guy's on the bench um there's a reason he's the backup because he's not as good you know, coaches aren't stupid. Sometimes we think they are, and sometimes they make dumb mistakes. But, you know, they see these guys a lot more than we do. If they were that good, they'd be out there. And, uh, you know, so so most of the time when you have to go to your backups, you can see a drop-off because they're your backups for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's again, I mean, sometimes you find a, a hidden gem um, you know, I, I think we were hoping that was the case with Tyler Wiley and some, you know, good, good preseason buzz. And it's good to see him out there playing. But again, you know, if, if Tyler Wiley was that good, he probably would have been playing last year and he probably would have been a starter going into this year. You know, he's, he's making the best of it and he's plugged in a hole that we needed, but you know, there's a reason he was supposed to be a backup. Yeah. And, and it looks like, from all the indications, Christian Sam is improving but not playing. And when, yeah. a, when ASU tells you a guy is improving but not playing, it makes you wonder if you're going to see him at all. Yeah, I mean, I read, I read the practice report from today, and he's not doing individual drills, and Graham calls him questionable, quote-unquote, which to me means not a chance. Yeah. If Todd Graham calls you questionable, go see a doctor immediately. You're if not you, playing. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, again, I continue to have Armand Perry flashbacks with him. Uh, I, at this point, I'm not counting on him until he's back, because uh, you know it's just very similar 
two pairing. And, you know, again, it's not the same injury. It's not the same guy. But we heard this last year, this time of year. Oh, you know, he's week to week, and we're hoping he's back soon. And then he never came back. So uh, we'll wait and see. Yeah, everyone's hoping he'll be back, but he actually has to be on the field. Right, right. So it doesn't doesn't appear he's anywhere close. But, you know, getting Fiso back, I think that, that should be significant. He was a, you know, at times last year, our best defensive player. Yeah. Was supposed to be a rock this year. Well, and he lets everyone take one step over, which is where they need to be. You know, Correct. He, the, the return of Salamo Fizo takes a little pressure off Calhoun, lets Mendoza slide back into a reserve role. I mean, against Cal, if we're playing four linebackers on the field, that, that's a problem. So, True. Now, Matt, it's time for us to make our game picks. I'll go first. Okay. I'm a big believer. I, I'm a big believer in my preseason prediction. Now, now that I already picked against us in the Texas Tech game after saying we'd win in the preseason <laughs> prediction, I'm now, le- I'm now back. I'm back in on my prediction. So, okay. I, so I think the Devils are going to win. I'm going to take ASU in a shootout, and I think it's going to come down to Zane, and I believe in Zane. And I'm going to say ASU 48-45. Pretty, pretty similar to what I have. Uh, I had us winning this game preseason, and I – I said because I thought by now our offense would be able to outscore another good offense, and it did it two weeks ago when I didn't think it would. Uh, so I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, I'll say uh, I'll say uh, 49-41. Well, we both have a high-scoring game. Let's take yeah. let's just take a quick look around. There's a bunch of good games on Friday night. You've got that USC Utah game. It's at Rice Eccles Stadium. It's in the altitude. It's a first start for Darnold. I think this is a Utah win, and I think USC's you know trying to pick up the pieces against us from one and three. I think so too. Yeah, I mean Utah hasn't been overly impressive on offense, but their defense is always good, and that's a tough place to go play. Mm-hmm. It'll be an int- if you're if you're somebody who likes watching interior line play and, and <laughs> what's going on in the trenches. Utah's defensive line against USC's offensive line is, is built for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, the other game, which I know you want to talk about, Georgia Ole Miss. Not because you want to talk about Georgia Ole Miss, but because you want to tell me how much you love Jacob Eason. <laughs> he had his moment on Saturday, 80-yard drive to win the game with a fourth-down touchdown pass on the road. Pretty good. Pretty good. Had me had me sprinting around the living room in celebration. Well, on Saturday, this Saturday, he travels to Ole Miss, who is number 23 in the country despite a losing record. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the key for Georgia is to let Ole Miss get a 21-point lead in the first half and then come back against them. That's what the two teams who beat them have done. It, you know, you would think being up by three touchdowns is where you want to be as a team, <laughs> but... Ole Miss it might want to. If you get yeah. up by two, if you get up by two scores, fall down at the one and kick the field goal. Yeah, Just, yeah. You know. It's been it's been a strange run for them so far. I mean, you know they're good, um, but I, I wonder about their mental and emotional state in some ways this week. Coming off, especially the Alabama loss, that you know that kills almost any hope they have of winning the SEC. Absolutely, absolutely, it does. And and this game, you know, they're at home, and it's you know it's a tough start for Eason going to Oxford's no easy task. But Georgia's got to be feeling great. 
Sure. I mean, they stole one last week. Uh, Missouri outplayed them for most of the first half, third quarter, and then uh, their defense finally, you know, rose up in the fourth quarter and forced a bunch of turnovers. Kept giving them chances. They finally got one at the end. Um, and and uh, looking at their schedule, I mean, they got this week Ole Miss, next week home to Tennessee. After that, it opens up. They only play one ranked team the rest of the way, and that's Florida neutral site. Uh, so I mean, even if they go one and one these next couple weeks, they got a great chance to win the East. Absolutely, they do. And if they win the East, you know, if they're a one-loss team and they win the East, that's that's a playoff game for the. It could playoff. be, yeah, yeah. I mean, the win over North Carolina could go a long way too. You know, that's that's a, a notable non-conference win they got. You know, and of course they're going to play Georgia Tech at the end of the year. Not a great team, but another good, solid opponent. Yeah. Other interesting games, you know, you got Wisconsin-Michigan State. I think Wisconsin, they pumped the brakes from that number nine ranking. They're back outside <laughs> the top ten despite being undefeated. A quarterback change and, and, yeah. and offensive struggles still plaguing that team. Well, and I, I made the mistake, and it's an easy mistake to make, of underselling Michigan State last week. And I picked Notre Dame, and you think, ah, Michigan State, yeah, they're nice, but they're not that good. and They, they are that good. They're well-coached. They're always good on D. They run the ball. Um, they don't make mistakes, and so I'm, I'm sticking with them. Now, it's, it's at East Lansing, too, if I'm remembering right. It is, and, and I think it's so. them. I, you know, Michigan State's defense is too good, and this Badgers offense is too suspect. Yeah, yeah. But it, I think it'll be a, a low-scoring, similar to the, to the LSU game, that, you know, if Wisconsin makes one play at the end, they might win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could look a lot like the Iowa-Michigan State, you know, conference championship game yes. where if you've got the ball last, you might have a shot to win this game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and in a different way than our game, which might be, you know, if you're scoring your eighth touchdown last, that <laughs> game might be you score the first touchdown of the game, you win. Yeah. Uh, other games of note, you got Florida at Tennessee. These are two teams that I think are paper undefeateds. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, neither's been impressive, really, to me. Tennessee, I, they're going to have to be like nine and zero before I forget that opening week. You know, well, they struggled last week against Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. Now they looked very good against Virginia Tech in the middle, so they're hard to figure out. But this is this is this is a must game for Butch Jones. He got to have it. It's at home. Florida's with a backup quarterback. They haven't beaten Florida since we were in high school, I believe. I mean, it's been a long, long time since Tennessee's beaten Florida. They got to have this one. Yeah. And then you got uh you got Baylor Oklahoma State which Oklahoma State that's a that's a hard luck loss to take on the, you know, to be 2 and 1, but it is. You're 2 and 1, you're going to Baylor. I I don't like that. I don't like those chances. I, I see and I like their chances. I don't think Baylor's been that good. Uh, they're 3 and 0 but they played zero as they always do. Um they never play anybody good in non-conference and uh, they're the only Big 12 heavyweight, I guess, if you use that term, that's unbeaten. But I think you use the term paper unbeaten. I'm going to use it on them. Yeah, I mean, that's true. They haven't played anybody, but when they're at home and that offense gets cooking. You're yeah. right. You're right. I just don't know if the offense will get cooking like it has in the past. Uh, you know, there's just personnel losses. And, and Oklahoma State could put up a ton of points. I mean, they they did it to Pitt last week. Um, I, you know, 
I'm not sure who wins the Big 12 right now. I, I don't know. I don't think it'll be either one of these teams, but I think Oklahoma State's a little better than Baylor. Well, there we go. We got a difference because I, I think Baylor wins this game. Yeah, uh, okay. You know, okay. other, you know, looking at the rest of the Pac-12 slate, Stanford at UCLA could be interesting, you know, for the Devils, obviously, yeah. if Stanford can take out both the L.A. schools before we have to play them, that's, sure, that's sure. a good one in the I win mean, column. And it's an opportunity for UCLA to kind of, you know, avenge that loss early season. And if they win, they're back in the top 25. They're back in the, in the conference title picture, obviously. Um, I, I think Stanford will win. Uh, I still, still think UCLA will win the South almost by default because I haven't seen anything from anybody else. Hey, we're undefeated. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll say That's this, round, rounding it out with uh, Washington traveling to Tucson, it, if you're the Huskies, the, the Huskies of old, this is a game that you fear they drop. You know, they, it's a road game. Uh-huh. It's, it's the start of conference season. But you have to have this. If you want to be a legit conference oh, yeah. contender and oh, national yeah. title I mean, contender, you need this game. They've looked great the first three weeks. They haven't played anybody yet. Um, you know, the toughest game is Rutgers at home, which not a tough test. Um, this one should be a game they win pretty easily, but we'll see. You know, I'm curious how good this team really is, and we'll we'll get an answer a little bit this week, and then Friday night next week they play Stanford. So we'll we'll know a lot more about Washington two weeks from now. The Pac-12 Friday night game is interesting. It's a nice wrinkle. You know, yeah, yeah. There's some marquee ones early in the season too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we'll be back to wrap all of that up and uh, talk about all the fun things that happened over the weekend. Until then, I'm Ben. He's Matt. This is the Ben and Matt Sportscast.